Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Prayer, than by the thoughts that Andrew just gave us, I don't think in all of my time in the church that I have ever heard anyone pray for a newborn baby that one day will obey the gospel. I don't believe, we all think about that. We all want that. I don't think I've ever heard that in my life. And I appreciate that, Andrew. That was outstanding. And um, prayer. We did it because we believe in it. We do it because we understand its value. We know that prayer is not only necessary, but it is good. A question had come, has come often. And today, with our emphasis on prayer, I think is a good time to explore the question. How can I know my prayers are answered? Again, since we understand the necessity and the value of prayer, the question is not about whether prayers are answered. That's not the question. We know from the passage just read for us in 1 Peter chapter 1 that God says His ears are open to the prayers of His saints. I mentioned it this morning, helping us understand what that refers to a number of years ago. In fact, before coming here, I preached a lesson from John chapter 9, and the question had been asked, does God hear a sinner's prayer? My conclusion was that the word hear is the important word. In other words, if you say, does God acknowledge that sinners are praying? Does He know that they are? Well, certainly the answer would be yes. So, He heard it. But if you say, did God respond to the sinner's prayer because he prayed? Well, that's a different answer. We use it in a humorous way, I guess, between married couples. When one asks the other, did you hear what I said? Well, oftentimes the noise was acknowledged. There was something that I know was happening with the sound waves getting into my ears. But did I really understand and respond to what was being said? Well, that might be a different answer. I had someone who violently disagreed with me on that topic, but I still believe it to be true. God does hear a sinner's prayer. That is, He does know that sinners are praying. But God does not respond to sinners in the same way that He responds to His saints. So when He says in 1 Peter chapter 1, His ears are open to their prayers, He is not talking about, I know that saints are praying, but I don't know that sinners are praying. No, He is saying, I listen to them. I respond to them. I work with them, for them, in behalf of them. And so it makes sense that we would ask the prayer, the question, how do I know when prayers have been answered? What we want, why do we ask that question? Because what we would all like to have is God flashing the answer on a screen somewhere so that we could see it. 
It would be like going to a huge, uh, to a ball game, whereas there's this massive jumbotron that runs announcements and says things that everybody can see. We act like sometimes what we really want from God is a response on a jumbotron. We want a clear, absolute, real statement that says, here is, are you listening? Here is the answer. And then God just gives it. And then we can go off down the road going, I got my answer and therefore. That's not what prayer is all about. That is not, even though that's what we want. To my mind, that is not what God offers. I want to give you two thoughts about this question. And then a thought about prayer itself as we close. First, how can I know that God answers prayers, answers my prayer? Well, let me suggest, number one, that I can know that God answers my prayer looking backward by experience. When we ask the question, how can I know that God answers my prayer. The first question that I really need to ask is, has God answered prayers in the past? That's the question. Now, if I can answer that question, I have half of what I want. Well, I would suggest to you that we can go back in Scripture and we can find any number of prayers uttered followed by the past that we can see, the answer was given. There are any number of them. Let's think of a few. How about in the wilderness wanderings when they first came out in Exodus 15 and they got there in that wilderness land out of Egypt and all of a sudden they didn't have any water. And the Bible says that Moses inquired of God, entreated the Lord to help them and immediately God gave them water out of a rock. God answered yes. God listened to Gideon who asked a prayer. God chose him to be the judge who would lead the people out from under the hand of the Midianites. And Gideon said, I don't think I'm the guy for this. My family is the poorest and I'm the smallest. You really don't want me. And God said, yes, I do. So Gideon said, I'll tell you what, Lord, how about this? How about I go out at night and I put down a fleece on the ground and in the morning I'll get up and all of the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. I'll know that you've answered me, that I really should do this. God said, okay. He answered, yes. Still didn't satisfy him, did it? Gideon said, wait a minute, how about if I do this? How about I put the fleece out and in the morning it is wet and all the ground is dry? And God said, okay. And the answer was, yes. God answered Gideon's prayer, yes. How about 1 Samuel chapter 1? Hannah desperately wanted a child. 
She was praying at the temple. What did God say? Yes. And Samuel was born. How about Solomon when he built the temple and God said, You ask of me whatever you want and I will give it. And he said, 1 Kings 8, I can't rule this people. They're too mighty and great and I don't know really what I'm doing. Can you give me wisdom to manage these people? And God said, yes. Oh, and we could go on and on. I know that God has said yes to the prayers of people in the past. But I also know that God has said no to people in the past. I know that God can say no. Moses again. God, let me see your glory so that I can know you really well. I want to see you. He's really wanting to see his face. And God said, no. No one can do that and live. Deuteronomy 3, as they were about to go into the promised land, you recall that Moses had already messed up earlier when he gave glory to himself for bringing water out instead of giving glory to God. And God said, okay, now you cannot go into the promised land. Wait a minute. Moses, for all of these years, had served the Lord and tried hard, and he messed up one time. And so he gets on his knees and he's begging God, let me go into the land. And God said, no. David committed great sin with Bathsheba. The child that was conceived out of wedlock became sick. And for a week David prayed that God would save the child. And God said, no. We come to the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul said, I had this thorn in the flesh and I entreated God three times, prayed to him three times, take it away. And God said, no. But the most powerful time in all of Scripture. In Luke 22, when Jesus was in the garden... Father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. And God said, no. You see, I understand that God in the past, by experience through reading Scripture, has said yes and He has said no. I know God answers prayers. Now let's do it for ourselves. Take a minute, all of us. Think back to prayers, requests, things that you have said to God in the past. And looking backward from today, what was the answer? Do you see in your past prayers that God said, sure, I'll help you. Do you see prayers in your past where God said, no, that's not for you. 
But what I know in both of those is God answered. So when someone says, how do I know that God answers my prayers? I would first of all say, look backward. And by your own experience or the experience of others in Scripture, you'll see that He does. Number two, the second thing I would suggest is this. I can know that He answers prayers looking forward into the future by faith. Faith is a word that is God's word. And yet man has vastly misunderstood it. Failed to understand what he means by faith. First of all, I want to suggest to you that faith is movement into the future because of what I have known from the past. Now that's faith. I know the Bible's definition in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But notice, that's what the verse is saying. It is the substance, the past, of things not seen moving forward. It is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of what I hope for. Notice the past and the future. Faith says, because of what has been, I have confidence in what will be. That's Bible teaching. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul was saying to the Corinthians. You are moving forward by faith. You are moving forward, not unsured, not uncertain, not Hesitant, you are moving forward confidently because of what has been in the past. That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what we understand faith to be. However, it's not just Bible teaching, it's life teaching. It's just how we do things. For instance, the Son. For 60 plus years of my life has come up every day. And I'm making plans that it's coming up tomorrow. Do you know what? I'm not at tomorrow yet. But it doesn't give me any less confidence that it will. Scientists. Scientists perform experiments, do research, and plan a whole bunch of stuff based on the in-place laws of nature that they count on in order to do what they're going to do. They don't go back and reprove them 
they are solid. And they expect that those proven things will be there tomorrow as well. Not one of us is going to think tonight in prayer. Let me pray that God makes sure that gravity stays here tomorrow. Scientifically, we just know it's going to be. Because it always has been. Farmers, every year plant seeds that say, this is watermelon. And they put it in the ground. They don't see it anymore. But they have every confidence that they're going to pick a watermelon someday. You see, we live by the principle we walk by faith and not by sight. We take what has been and we move forward with it into the future. That's what the faith concept is all about. So if I can be right here and I look backward, I see the experience that helps me to know that God answered prayers. But as I stand right here and I look forward this way, I see that God is going to take what I have learned here and move it there with him and he's going to answer prayer. Go with me to James chapter 1 for a moment. James has a great thought for us. James has some good material for us concerning faith. And prayer. I want you to notice with me, starting in verse number 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let me ask you a question. What was James saying when he said, Ask in faith without doubting. In other words, to what was James referring when he said, don't doubt? Doubt what? I think there is a real difference between two phrases that we can use. Faith in prayer or prayer in faith. Think about this. Faith in prayer says this. Because I prayed, it's going to happen. Because prayer is what we use to get things to happen. That's what that terminology would say. It's sort of like a, a magic wand or the Aladdin's lamp or some kind of potion that always produces exactly what we want. 
So we could say have faith in prayer. But I don't know that I have found that in Scripture. It seems to me that actually God says, have prayer in faith. The prayer in faith is not about getting what I want. The prayer in faith is not about my prayer making something happen. Prayer in faith is about accepting that God is going to do what's best. That's the prayer in faith. It's not the power of the prayer. It's not the semantics used in the prayer. It's not even the holiness of the one offering the prayer. It's all about the God behind the prayer. And that's what's going on in James's statement. What's he saying? He is not saying that God, God has in some way given carte blanche to prayer, meaning go ahead and pray, and because you prayed it will happen. But what he's saying, James, is when you pray, don't doubt that God is going to do what's best. We really misunderstand this passage. If we apply it in a way that says, if I don't get what I prayed for, then maybe I doubted or I didn't have faith. That's not what he's saying. First of all, wisdom is something that God said we could pray for here, and God wants that for everybody. He, is, he wants every one of us to have His wisdom and His Word. He wants that for us. So to pray for wisdom and expect that I'm going to get it and expect that He's going to give it to me in the best possible way is understandable. But we've already seen that not only in the past but by common sense, not every single person for whom we pray will get well. Not every single person for whom we pray to get a job will find a job. Not every single person will pray and you just fill in the blank. But everything that God wants us to have, if you pray for it in faith, accepting God in the faith, in the prayer, then He'll work with us. So it seems to me that the Bible is using the phrase prayer in faith not faith in prayer. So, how do I know my prayers are answered? Well, look backward and by experience see that God has answered prayers over and over and over. Both yes and no, but He answered them. And look forward in faith. Using what I have learned in the past to know that God is still going to answer prayers in the future. I know that. Therefore, I am assured, I understand that God is going to answer prayer. 
a few thoughts further about prayer. I recommend to you the writing <clears throat> of C.S. Lewis on prayer. He wrote a little bitty tract called The Efficacy of Prayer. And I marked a point here that I want to make and then give you a couple of thoughts about some other things that he says. He says, the question then arises, what sort of evidence would prove the efficacy of prayer? The thing we pray for may happen, but how can you ever know it was not going to happen anyway? Even if the thing were indisputably miraculous, it would not follow that the miracle had occurred because of your prayers. The answer surely is that a compulsive empirical proof such as we have in the sciences can never be attained. This is a powerful little tract. He goes on to to make this statement. He said, imagine devising an experiment to prove that prayer works. And he says, of course, this is impossible, but just imagine. He said, I guess what we would have to do is get a great number of people, the more the better. And for 30 days, they would fervently, with everything in them, pray for all the sick people in Hospital A and intentionally overlook the people in Hospital B. And he said, would whatever comes of that prove anything about prayer? Absolutely not. Because how can you pray honestly for people who are sick and intentionally overlook those over there who were sick? How can we believe that just because we were praying that that's why God did it? God wants us to pray. Yes, He wants us to approach Him. But He is going to do what's best and He's going to do what is good. That's what God does. The problem in this question is that we're looking for this undoubted, clear sign announced somehow on the clouds of the sky so that I can see the answer. It needs to be less about the answer and more about the one giving the answer. Have you ever doubted for a long time that God was not there? Did you ever think that God didn't care and he had left you high and dry? No, because we believe in God. We believe that he wants what is best for us. He is looking for our best because God, like a father, cares for us. You know, God is not beholden to us. He is not going to do something just because we demand it. But He cares. And knowing that He cares, He is going to do what is best for us. In Luke 11, Jesus, 
made that statement when the disciples asked him to teach them to pray. One of the things he would say about verse 9 through verse 11, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, don't you think your heavenly Father knows how to give good things to you? That's the key to understanding God's answer to prayer. But if you want something a little more concrete, a little more real, a little more clear, let me offer this writing to you. Don't even know who wrote it, but it's called Signs of Answered Prayer. I think it's powerful. If you rise from prayer forgiven and clean inside, prayer has been answered. If you rise more conscious of God's greatness, goodness, mercy, love, and nearness, prayer has been answered. If you rise with greater love and compassion for other people, answered prayer is transforming your selfish nature. If you rise with an abiding sense of peace, in spite of the great problems that beset your life, God has answered by preparing you to confront those difficulties. If you rise with clearer vision, greater purpose, a more positive outlook, renewed strength, and fresh inspiration, rest assured that your prayer has been answered. There's no doubt that God answers prayer. And there's no doubt that because He cares, He answers in the way that is best for us. Therefore, keep praying. God wants us to come to Him. God wants us to talk to Him, not because He doesn't know, but because He wants us to know Him. And more and more to rely on Him and to appreciate Him. I hope this has been helpful today about the answer to prayer. Our prayer continually is that if there is someone who needs to obey the gospel that you'll do it. We've already seen through Ezra that you don't have to wait until we're assembled here again. Call any of us at any hour of the night it will help you. Or if you need us to pray for you spiritually. We're always available. Our shepherds are still meeting every Sunday evening. You're welcome to call and ask them to pray for you. So I hope that this has benefited and be helpful. And our prayer is that God will help us, help our church and our nation, and certainly help us to be ready for whatever is coming in the future because we pray for heaven someday. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.